everybody welcome back to another episode of the balanced blues brothers podcast we have quite a full crew today uh myself going to be joined by travis tyler jordan cohen ola and we have the score back making his second appearance on the pod after a you know really good chat the last time so uh thanks for coming back on welcome for everybody um and we are going to be here to break down graham potter being dismissed from the club and i think it was we had, did kind of have a podcast that didn't get released uh, yesterday, so recording now again. But I think even in that, we kind of felt that there was an inevitability around the entire situation. And it was only maybe an hour or so after, two maybe two hours after the podcast was done being recorded, that Graham Potter was announced uh, as no longer being Chelsea manager. And the second one that we have fired midseason this season. So with that said, uh, we kind of go into a lot of uncertainty, having still something to play for against Real Madrid in the Champions League. The issue being now we have to have a manager who has never been at this level or had, as far as I'm aware, many head coaching opportunities as he has went straight from playing days with Bram Potter at Brighton into being part of his staff. And he was a senior player development coach at Brighton. Um, as far as how, what he'll now be tasked with, it's going to be a massive step up for him, and we'll see how he handles that. But he has to go through a huge test tomorrow. We're recording this podcast at 6 p.m. USA Eastern time. So in about 23 hours, the match will be over tomorrow against Liverpool, and we'll see how Bruno fares in that. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to it as far as that goes. But let's start this podcast off. I guess trying to get everybody's thoughts on the Potter situation, how that ended up panning out, right move, wrong move, positives, negatives, just kind of get some things going on that and generate the discussion on Graham Potter. I think the the first off, I feel that the move, like I said, it felt inevitable. And I think that we kind of had that idea yesterday when recording. So with that said, I'm not surprised and nor am I overly attached, even though I've been as vocally supportive of Graham Potter, I think that was simply because I wanted a longer term process to play out or at least be given time to play out. And I personally think that that time was given to play out. And that it just so happens that Villa was the tipping point for me. And even during the match, I had that thought that this is probably or likely should be the end. This is just getting worse. It's not really getting any signs of continued success or progress. Um, and I think that one thing that we really hit upon yesterday was that there aren't any major players or any key individuals that you can distinctly point out that Graham Potter was making better with their play or improving them with their role, one or the other. So I think that was the main thing, too, that we hit upon that really stuck with me as to why I think that it had to go, as well as we know how bad the results are. That spoke for itself. But I think when you look at some of those other factors, that's where I feel that this had to had to go elsewhere. Um, and there just wasn't any other way forward. So we are where we are now. But uh, yeah, Score, I'll have you go ahead since you're joining us on this one. Get your thoughts in on Graham Potter going. And I think just from there, 
let's just kind of have a discussion go as far, far as, you know, trying to get our thoughts in and just kind of picking up where people leave off. Yeah, thanks. So thanks for having me back. It's really great to, to be back on this show. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, um, it, I mean, only I was only surprised in the fact that earlier in the day you'd had news coming out that they were going to stick with him and he was going to manage the Liverpool game and that had been kind of the, the press that had come out that day from like all the kind of the briefings uh, and then you know I uh, and then I went to the cinema and I came out of the cinema and it's literally when I came out this it was when I came out of the cinema that the notification came up that it, went, that it happened it was it coincided with the announcement and uh, but I wasn't surprised uh, well after the game on Saturday I was I think that was the tipping point for me as well I continued to back him all along um, like for the same reason I wanted a long-term stability I wanted a, a project I wanted somebody to stick around um, and you know and I, I knew and I, and I like Graham Potter as a coach and I like him as a as a, as a man as well I think he's a, a man of integrity uh, a good man manager I think uh, and yeah it's sad it is sad but I but after Saturday I was at the point where I just we have to do something because this is not getting any better it's actually getting worse uh, and um, we've got a lot of young talent and we, they can't be sacrificed at the altar of keeping a manager for the sake of it uh, and so um, yeah it's sad I'm not I don't take any pleasure in him being sacked and I didn't have any kind of emotional attachment to him I don't often get emotionally attached to managers now but it is sad and I, I'm sure he will go to another club and do really well and I hope he does um, I hope he has a break now, though. Um, use that payoff that he's got and go and have a nice holiday. Get away from football, um, clear his head, and yeah, and and let me move on. You know, and um, it's a diff I think there's lots of reasons it didn't work. Uh, there, I mean, there are a lot of things that went that were difficult for it. Would be difficult for any manager this season. We had about twelve key players injured at one time, which you know, it's almost impossible for any manager to deal with. And then you had obviously eight new signings in January and uh, the World Cup and fixture congestion and lots of changes behind the scenes and, you know, trying to root out a lot of the deeper problems at the club, which they're still trying to work out. But Potter was part of that. Uh, and, and obviously he was stepping up to a, a different level as well. So there was an adaption for him. For him uh, and yeah so there's a lot of factors that contributed to it but uh, nevertheless I did, did he did start to look a bit out of his depth I think maybe it came too soon for him uh, I think the next step up from Brighton would have been somewhere like I don't know Aston Villa or Leicester or somewhere like that uh, that's the kind of level I think that that he's he needed to go to next before maybe going to a bigger club after that. Um, and yeah, just it was just bad timing. And maybe, you know, you could say, there's a few things you could say in hindsight, like they rushed the appointment, they didn't they didn't get experts to advise on the appointment. They, maybe they should have waited till all the sporting directors were in place to, to make the change so they could select someone properly. Um, you can say all those things, but ultimately it's, uh, I don't think they had any intention of changing managers twice in a season. Uh, they stuck by him. Even, you know, they could have sacked him about three or four times. There was, 
you know, there were plenty of games where people said, now this is the final straw, this is the final straw, he has to go now. Um, especially Southampton was one, you know, where everyone thought that he would go after that game. And he didn't, they backed him. They, they gave him support and uh, they gave him time. They didn't, I don't think there was any great desire to sack him on the part of the club. Uh, even the statement suggested they were reluctant to do it and they still believe in him as a coach. And uh, I don't think it's a higher fire type sacking. It's, it's simply that the results have been just really, really bad and the performances were getting worse. And it's been over several months, like half a season, not just a few weeks. Uh, and, it, and Chelsea had got to 11th in the Premier League with 10 games to go, which even in, even in this season is probably is underachievement, probably. You'd expect us, I was expecting us to be like 6th, 7th. And I think if we were 6th, 7th now, uh, Potter would still be in a job. I don't think, yeah, they said top four wasn't a requirement to keep his job. And uh, I, I believe that. So, but we were way beyond even that. We were we, we, we're struggling to even get into the, the, the conference league at the moment. So, yeah, it's very sad, but we kind of, we'll move on. And I'm confident we'll, we'll appoint the right person to replace him. They're doing a lot of diligence and we'll get onto that, I suppose, later in the episode. But um yeah, so that, that that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll chime in to uh, score. Thanks again for joining us, and everybody. It's like good to be back. It's been a weird two months for me, and, and I will say to that end that I think all of us Chelsea is really important to us. Like I think we all definitely just like have like it's. I don't know if love is the right word. Maybe it is, but we have a relationship with this club, and I think that. Nobody here wishes Graham Potter ill will. Nobody here, I think, thinks Graham Potter is a bad coach or a bad guy. I mean, I think... I don't necessarily believe Bowley and company rushed hiring Graham Potter. I do have my opinions on the speed at which they got rid of Tuchel, but that's a different story. I think that all of us here, pretty much, I, I think every one of us here said, given the available managers, Potter was the best choice to take over for Tuchel. Like, I, I, the, the, right, Nagelsmann wasn't available. Mourinho wasn't available. Carlo wasn't available. Pick your guy, they weren't available. Potter was. And I think Potter was a reasonable choice. I think Potter got put in a, frankly, a, an untenable situation. Between the injuries between the pressure, I mean, this is crazy to say. I think Tuchel is our second most beloved manager, at least right now, uh, behind Mourinho, in terms of, like, active fans. And it was never going to be easy to follow that up, because even though Tuchel, like, we weren't performing that great under Tuchel, but, but nonetheless, right, he was beloved. I think partly because he took over during the middle of covid I think partly because of the, how he acted during the sanctions. I think partly because our team were like generally interesting to watch. And Potter had to follow that up. Right? I mean, Tuchel's beef with Conte was three matches before he got fired. And that's really hard to follow up. So I think there's that. I think there's the injuries. And I think asking Potter to incorporate in a huge amount of new players into an already bloated squad was kind of the icing on the cake. It, it just, it was an untenable situation. I also think score to your point, 
Chelsea may have been too big of a step up for Potter. I, I sometimes am hesitant to think that because he did well in the Champions League. I think where Potter sometimes struggled was if Brighton he had a full week to make a, a tactic for every match, and he didn't have that at Chelsea. But but I think that capability-wise, he he was fine. It just it was an untenable situation. I think, especially post, and to be fair, I, I was out dealing with personal stuff for a few months there, so I missed the wins. But it felt like after yeah. the World Cup. Just for listeners, like I forgot to say because we were recorded for like an hour and a half yesterday and did all of that. But yeah, Jordan is like rejoining the pod back from you know kind of his personal break. So happy to have him back. Sorry, I legit like space that it felt like we like I felt like we should have just released yesterday at times. And I was like agreed with Nick. I'm like it's literally all completely irrelevant now. All of it was just yeah. completely irrelevant. It was such. It sucked, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It was a, it, it's been a weird few days. But anyways, I guess I'll just finish on my last point. Like, I missed the wins, right? And thanks for having me back. I appreciate being able to pod with my friends again. This is awesome. Um, but, but my last point is that it felt like Potter really simplified the tactics to incorporate all these new players. So for a while there, we played, like, pretty much the most basic 4-2-3-1 that I that I mean I haven't seen a Chelsea manager play that basic a system, and Potter didn't want to play that. We know that because the first half of the season Potter was here, he didn't play shit like that, and we really just like went back to basics. To your point, Travis, in the chat, and then I think we went to like this three at the back, but also was a pretty basic three at the back, and, and it just felt like there was too much going against him at that point for him to be successful. So. I wish the guy the best. I genuinely like him, and I think he will be a very successful manager. Like, what, regardless if it's at a giant club or it's like David Moyes taking teams into Europe that, frankly, don't belong in Europe. Like, I think he'll have a really good career, and I, I wish him the best, but I think this probably at this point was the right move for Chelsea. I think it's it's quite telling that there were many people who were vehemently on Potter's side, and the more results got what the the fewer they got because there was i remember i remember there was a after the southampton game some people were quite vocal about the about the loss wanting him gone and there were people who were you know standing behind potter giving various reasons why the southampton loss was not, was not as bad as it looked and after the aston villa game i couldn't find anyone trying to pull out reasons for why Potter should still remain in charge. And that, for me, indicates how, how his tenure went. I think quite a lot of people, Potter out, Potter in, quite a lot of people can come to an agreement that it was time for Potter to go. And I think while, while we, can, we can do the, the, you know, he deserved time, he didn't. He wasn't given time. I think. I don't think the board wanted to sack him. I think they desperately wanted to keep him. But if we can go from fifth to eleventh, we can go from eleventh to thirteenth, and twelve to twentieth in the relegation battle. So it wasn't. It was only hope that I was going to keep Potter in the job. And I mentioned that I, I, I talked to Jordan some some weeks ago, and I said. Hope is not a good business strategy. 
faith is not a good business strategy. You can spend it much money and then hope that against everything we've seen up until this point, everything that comes after this point will be completely different. I don't think that's reasonable. I think Bailey deserves quite a lot of blame for this situation, not by hiring Potter, but he supposedly sacked Tuku because Tuku didn't want to get involved in in or didn't want to get as involved in the in the transfers as they wanted him to. So he sacked Tuku, which is fine. I think the sacking of Tuku in and of itself was not a mistake. I think the mistake was in getting Potter and then bombarding him with eight players in January. And now fans use that as a stick to beat him with. They go, oh, you have new players. You have, now you have good players. Uh, here are players start winning games. And we all know that's not how it works. We all know players need time to integrate. I mean, some of our summer signings were still getting integrated after February. We only saw Kulibali's form pick up in, in some, some months back. So, Sterling just came in. Kulibali just came in. Kukurela has, you know, has had to be removed from the lineup for various reasons. Fofana just came back from injury. So there was that. And then there were eight new players. And we could, we could probably, you know, touch our brains for managers who may have handled the situation perfectly. By the end of the day, it was a difficult situation for Potter. And I said after Tuku was sacked that we have to be fair to the players and we have to be fair to the manager. I'm not going to go the route of the players give up on him again and we need to do a clear out. I think the, the reason why we need to do a clear out has nothing to do with where we, why we are 11th or where we are at. I think we have quite a lot of players. We tried to get rid of some of them in January. We couldn't. And that's not really anyone's fault. But... That's how desperately we wanted to trim down the squad. Because if you have if you have Haaland, Lewandowski, uh, Benzema, and Kane on the same team, you have to sell some of them. They are all world class players, but you can't you can't fit all of them in. So regardless of the quality of the squad, you just can't have that many players and expect the manager to do anything worthwhile. So there was that. At the same time. We were we were eleventh, and you well. I, I I was unlucky. He was unlucky. The team was unlucky. Cannot run from September to to to, to April. We can't we can't use that forever. And I agree. There were games where we played very well. We created a lot of very good chances. We didn't score, but those games were few and far between. From from most of the games we played before the World Cup, the performances were were quite poor against Newcastle, against Arsenal, against Brighton. The performances were poor. So at the end of the day, many of us said what I was going to get to the summer, no matter what. And I knew that at this level, no manager gets X amount of time, no matter what. With sides club, club didn't get time, no matter what. Asset didn't get time, no matter what. No manager gets time, no matter what. At, at the end of the day, you, you have to show something. You have to do something to the squad that 
convince the hierarchy that there is something worth keeping. He wants fix two of them. So it, in the first three months, fix two of them. It may be, it may be slow, but it's progress. At the end of the day, you know, okay, two have been fixed, two out of eight. Even some months, there's a third one fixed. You can say, okay, this process will take us X amount of time. It is still progression, but there were many things that, many problems that we started having after the run of wins we had, the Wolves and AC Milan wins, that kept in there. They didn't go away, not creating enough chances in games, considering a lot of good chances, was we're doing that steadily until after the World Cup. And after the World Cup, it was more of inconsistency. We played against Nottingham Forest, Drew, played against Bournemouth, won convincingly, played against Dortmund, played well but didn't win. In the second leg, we won convincingly. So the inconsistency was there. And the one thing that fans, men, some fans, I would say, did not take into consideration is, yes, you can say the fans are impatient, but it's not just the fans you have to get on board. You have to get players on board. And there's a limit to how, how, much, how many losses players can take on a team before they start doubting if the manager is doing the right thing. And if the manager gives instructions and you follow it and it doesn't work, you, you get to the dressing room at halftime, it says, okay, let's do this or let, let's keep doing the same thing. It doesn't work. The next week you, you implement different uh, formations or different systems or different game plans. It still doesn't work. At some point, the, the players begin to feel, is, is this guy, does this guy know the, the, the way out? So it's, it's, I knew that even if we don't get into a relegation fight, I mean, it would be difficult to get into a relegation fight for eight points clear of the relegation battle, I would say. But the players, at some point, were bound to start feeling, I- I'm not sure this guy knows what he's doing. We saw reports that some, some three players in the dressing room had lost confidence. It's not, it's not far-fetched. It, we, we don't know whether that report is true, but it doesn't sound outrageous. We saw, I mean... Uh, I didn't really see anything, but we saw a lot of comments from Bell Silva. Many people were unhappy. The, the, the players at some point came out to say they back him. But if you come out to say you back Potter and the results are not coming, even when you begin to feel, uh, I don't know. So I think at the end of the day, we've all rightly said, I don't, I, 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 we can't make any, 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 we can't make any conclusions that the, the job was too big for him. We can't make any conclusions that he made the jump too early. Because again, if I'm Graham Potter, I'm taking the job. If, if Chelsea offers me the job, I'm taking it. Many managers learn on the job. Many managers have entered into teams and did not have prior experience and did fine. Potter did have a lot of difficult circumstances, but I don't think those circumstances are enough to justify how far we fell how steadily we fell, and the points we've reached now at the end of the day. So I think ultimately it was the right decision. We all wanted a long-term manager. We wanted to do something like what Arsenal did, what Liverpool did. But we, he came in while we're, while we're fifth, and things never actually got better from there on. And there's not much you can say in favor of the manager that will justify keeping him at this point. I mean, I'll hit on some of the things I hit on in our lost pod. But, you know, 
when when Potter came in, you know, I don't think there was many that would have said like this is not the guy for us right now, all things considered, because like he was high flying with Brighton, and probably the sad thing is if he had stayed with Brighton all season, and for some reason we still had Tuchel and just fired Tuchel, I think most people would be begging for Potter to be the guy to come in. You know, that's how highly rated he was when it happened. But almost immediately, he got hit with some circumstance, which, you know, first it was the injuries, and we lost, like, most of our starters, it seemed. And he had to deal with that. And while he was dealing with that, we got in this rut. And once you're in a rut, it's really hard to break out of. And we were kind of already in it before the injuries came. We were in it when Tuchel got fired, really. And, you know, that started all the way back in preseason, that rut. and then. You know, January comes and we're bringing in tons of new players. And that's a whole other rut because you have lots of guys that are thinking of trying to leave. You have lots of guys coming in. so And ultimately, we didn't really get rid of anyone. So we have this 31-man squad that you have to juggle where half of them have tried to leave. Half of them feel like they're brand new. And, you know, you're juggling all that and you're in this rut and you're trying to get out of it. And all of those were super valid excuses for why we were so poor. And then the international break in March came. And by the time that break ended, we didn't have those excuses anymore. Like no one was really injured of any consequence. The new players had been around for enough time to settle in. And we went to Austin Villa and we just looked listless. We had no idea what to do in that entire game. And I think that more than anything is what did it. You know, I think the board was super patient with him. You know, Roman never would have been this patient. Roman had had never been this patient. But as soon as the excuses weren't valid anymore, the board looked around and they didn't have a choice. And obviously there's other stuff that happened outside of Chelsea that has probably triggered this the timing of it, but, you know, just that whole game against Villa was, you know, this far into his tenure for the team to look just completely out of ideas as they did. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And it's not because Potter's a bad manager at all. You know, he's very much a victim of circumstance, but he also didn't do anything to get him out of those bad circumstances. He didn't really do anything to help his own situation. You know, he could end up at Leicester City next year. He could end up at Spurs next year. He could end up as the England job. And any of those jobs, he's probably going to do well, so long as he doesn't run into the kind of bad luck he ran in with us. You know, I I think he's just – I mean, you can see it from, like, how the players talked about him. Like, even when things were terrible, they were trying to support him. You know, I don't feel like we ever – the players ever gave up on him. I just feel like he never really got through to it. And that's the main issue of all. Um, And I mean, ultimately, this comes at a time where, you know, we have Real Madrid coming up in the Champions League. And that's the only way we're going to get Champions League next year is if we get through Real Madrid and then City or Bayern Munich and then probably Napoli on the other side. That's the only way we get Champions League. And if you look at Potter and you don't think he's the guy to do that anymore, 
and you really think like even next year he couldn't get us back into the Champions League, like you're out of options at that point. You have to make the decision, and that's what happened. And, you know, I'm sure we're about to talk about like the manager that suddenly became available that we made that decision probably because of. But, you know, like Bayern Munich, we might have looked around and been like, all right, there's this guy we want, and if we have a chance to get him, we have to do it now. And ultimately, I kind of think that's what it comes down to. Like, we're we're making the big decision to get the guy that might be better off overall. Yeah, I'll just jump in here really quickly because, like, I guess I'll be the first one to say the name. Julian Nagelsmann gets fired by Bayern for Thomas Tuchel. My firm opinion is even if the board thought that we would not make Champions League with Potter, there was no way we were going to beat Real Madrid with Potter. If the two candidates that were available that seemed like the other two candidates that we're interested in, and Luis Enrique and Mauricio Pochettino, it's I imagine the board would have just let him let Potter finish the season, maybe conduct some background checks and behind the scenes, but like right, also just kind of like open support Potter. Julian Nagelsmann by pretty much like whatever metric you want him to use analytics players that he coached everybody says he's one of the best managers in the world i i keep seeing on twitter that oh he's 35 or like oh he's so used to changing tactics every match no that that's not that shows some degree of ignorance about who julian nagelsman is and i like Again, I think Grand Potter is a good manager. This is not about Grand Potter. Julian Nagelsmann is an upgrade in every way. And that, again, not saying anything bad about Grand Potter, but Julian Nagelsmann brought, took Hoffenheim from 17th in the Bundesliga to fourth and then a third in the final in the next year. He took Leipzig to third and then the second and to a Champions League semifinal. And he just won the Bundesliga with Bayern. And I know everybody's used to thinking that's a given, but it, it really isn't anymore. Like, yes, Bayern is the best team, but like even this year, for a while, it was between them, Union Berlin, Leipzig, and Dortmund. And like, it looks like they have an advantage now, but you never know. Navasman's a great manager, and I think the board isn't dumb, right? I think the people we put in charge of technical directors or sporting directors. I don't really remember off the top of my head what we're calling everybody, but they saw this. And I think they said, if to Travis's point, if we don't make this decision now, he's going to go to Madrid or to PSG. And then we're screwed. So better to make this decision now, still do your due diligence to make sure like Luis Enrique or Pacino or Amarin or whoever else doesn't blow you off your feet. But I think Potter right now, or Potter, I think Nagelsmann right now is the favorite. And I think with Fairby. Yeah, I mean, I've been a huge Nagelsmann fan for, you know, years now, since Hoffenheim, when I first watched one of his games, because I couldn't believe, like, this 28-year-old was managing in the Bundesliga. Like, that was insane. And it's still insane. Like, he's only 35. Thiago Silva's older than he is. Um, But, you know, I, I like that the board – at least is sending out to like law and all the other journals that they are in doing an interview process that they're not just doing this knee jerk, but obviously Nagelsmann's the guy, right? Like, I mean, if, if he's available, like every club in the world 
wants him. Like Real Madrid wants Nagelsmann. That's enough for us to want, really. And, you know, like he didn't leave Bayern Munich because they were doing poorly. He left because of like some off-field stuff that had happened. And, you know, for whatever reason, they looked at Tuchel and were like, all right, we need to get this guy now, so let's go get him. Um, and like most Byron fans that you read, like they were completely shocked by the news. Like they didn't think he'd be fired at all. For us, just thinking about us, like he is really kind of like the ideal manager for us right now. You know, tactically, he's very similar to Tuchel. So like all the players that were there for Tuchel, it's not like they're relearning how to make a wheel. They they've already seen it, but he is more attacking than Tuchel is, which was one of Tuchel's main issues. And he's got that tactical flexibility that, you know, they got Potter for, that they wanted him to mix things up. So, like, that combination of things, like, he's combining the old regime with the new, if we get novels. And, you know, our squad is not so old and full of veterans like Bayern Munich's is, like, that they would tune Nagelsmann out. You know, I don't think Thiago Silva would cause an uproar if he's benched because – I think he kind of sees it coming at some point. But, you know, outside of that, like, who's our oldest player? Kovacic and Conte? Like, I, I don't think they would look at Nogglesman and calls, like, a stink like Emmanuel Noor was doing over at Bayern. And, you know, if if our real concern is, like, how are we going to catch Pep Guardiola? How are we going to catch Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, even though they've been just as bad as we've been like like you need to get an amazing manager for that and anyone that pays attention to the game that understands you know they'll point to noggles and he's the guy so you know obviously i'm super pumped that he's maybe coming to chelsea because i've dreamed of it for like seven years now but you know we we have some other good targets too you know i don't think pochettino is a terrible manager he's kind of a boring choice honestly um, I don't think he'd take us to like the title or anything, but he he could rebuild us at least. Um, you know, Enrique's not a bad manager, but he doesn't solve our main problem, which is scoring. And who else is there? There's um Amarin. Amarin is, you know, kind of new to the game, not new to the game, but you know kind of more unknown to most people because he hasn't really managed outside of Portugal. He's a little more defensive. There was one more, but I can't remember who it was. But, you know, I'm glad I haven't seen – yeah. And then there's some other – there's a few other names I've seen thrown around that I can't really recall right now, but they're pretty obscure. Yeah, Spalletti would be kind of like a Maurizio Sorry, Like, he's doing really well in Serie A now. And, like, Spalletti's got a little more pedigree than Sorry did, but that would be kind of similar. Um, I'm glad I'm not really seeing us linked to Zidane or Jose Mourinho or Hansi Flick because no, I think they I all am come team with... Mourinho. If we hired Mourinho, I would be like jumping off walls. Not that like I necessarily think he's the guy for us, but just like I think it would be great. It would be so. Yeah, fun. I mean, like I, I don't look at our team and think like, yeah, this is a Jose Mourinho ready to go team. But you know, that's why we're linked to the mini Mourinho. At the same time, so like it could work out in the end, but yeah, I, I like that they're at least doing some diligence, even though it's pretty obvious who everyone kind of wants and who is probably going to be best. But at least they're putting in the work this time, yeah. I, th- I, I, I we can't talk about no, I've got to talk about no, no, because uh, 
like you, I, I, um, I've been a fan of Nogden since he was at Hoffenheim. Uh, watched his, watched his teams, watched, paid attention to what he was doing tactically and how his teams were doing, and uh, really impressed um, right from the start. And uh, you know, after his, I think after his first season at Leipzig, I was. I was like, yeah, okay, I want this guy at Chelsea at some point, uh, 100%. I think that was, what, 2019? So about the time, certainly by the time that Lampard was sacked, I was like, Nagelsmann is my guy. Right, we've got to get him. Um, but we went for Tuchel instead. But uh, So, yeah, I mean, unlike, in terms of Bayern in comparison to Chelsea, Bayern is an interesting one because it's a lot like the Roman Abramovich Chelsea. They've got a bunch of experienced big name players with big egos uh, who kind of run the dressing room a little bit and they change managers every 18 months or so right they're not a they're not a long-term club they haven't got a long-term approach they've got a good structure and they've got good recruitment um, but they can afford that approach because they're the richest club in in Germany and so there's less competition although that's not true this season but certainly and you know, uh, they're not doing as well this season, actually, with this short-term approach, you could say, right? So, but whereas Chelsea have kind of, the structure that we've put in place now is very much a Red Bull structure. I mean, we've even got, I think, two people of our team have, have come from Red Bull. Two of them have worked with uh, Nagelsmann before. I think Lawrence Stewart and uh, obviously Christopher Vavelle have both worked with Nagelsmann at Red Bull. So they're both fans of him. That's, I mean, that's two big influences who are going to who want who will want Nagelsmann, which kind of makes you think he's the favourite. Uh, and the structure we've built is perfectly suited to him. Uh, it, you know, the data innovation, like you know, um, strong recruitment, long term strategy. Um, you know, it's it's all suited to how he wants to run a football club and the, the age of the squad is very young you know even more next season because we're going to lose some more like experienced players uh and his best work was done at Hoffenheim and at Leipzig where you had young young squads um and their whole philosophy was buying the best young talent and developing it and that was and he thrived at those two clubs uh you know, uh, I mean, Leipzig, he, what, he finished second in the Bundesliga. He got to the cup final, got to the Champions League semi-final. Uh, and again, both of those clubs, he only left because he got offered a bigger job. There was no fallout with the players. There was no um, kind of, you know, bad blood or anything. Like, he could have kept those jobs if he wanted to. Uh, he could have stayed at Hoffenheim. He could have stayed at, at Leipzig. Uh, there was no kind of so all this kind of I don't know where these stories about him being a short-term manager come from because at those two clubs he was not a short-term manager he was a project manager uh, and uh, Bayern yes of course but everyone's a short-term manager at Bayern um, <laughs> like yeah you could put Alex Ferguson in charge of Bayern and he'd be gone in 18 months you know like um, Bayern the reason he went to Bayern was because one, one is the biggest club in Germany and two he's a Bayern supporter and it was his dream to manage Bayern uh, and he couldn't say no to it when he was offered it. Uh, so, yeah, but he's actually, I mean, he's absolutely perfect for our project. He is everything that we need. Uh, and 
uh, if we build around him and we give him the support in terms of you know scouting, recruitment, um, structure, everything, if we give him all of that, uh, and we give him the right squad, he will build a really good Chelsea team, um, which plays good football and is enjoyable to watch, and which will eventually, in a year or two, maybe in a couple of years, will challenge for titles and win trophies. Uh, and I think we're getting a better Nagelsmann than we would have got if we'd taken him from Red Bull because he's now had the experience of managing a big club with big expectations. and Which is what Potter distinctly did not have, exactly. which is a key thing. Yeah, exactly, right? And it's kind of like when Tuchel came out of PSG. You know, he learned, he learned a lot from that experience, which made him better at Chelsea. Uh, and I think Nagelsmann is smart enough to have learned from his Bayern experience. And Chelsea is a different club than Bayern anyway. We don't operate. We're not, you know, Nagel is not going to last 18 months and then be sacked the first bad run of form he has. I think the owners have proved that already, you know. Um, and I could I, I highly doubt we'll have a, a, a bad run of form as we've had this season uh, under Julian Nagelsmann. So I think he's the perfect guy. I think he's their number one choice. And I think they're just doing diligence on other options just to make sure that they get the right choice because they don't want to rush into a decision, which is wise. Uh, but like, like you said, I, didn't, I hadn't thought of that before, but Pochettino and Enrique have been available for months. And, and they, didn't go, they, didn't, they didn't make a beeline for them. They didn't go urgently to them. They weren't even talked about as like outstanding first choices. Neither of them have. Um, so... I think they like them. I mean, you can like a lot of coaches. I think they like them and they want to interview them. But I think I think Julian Nagelsmann is the is the is the outstanding candidate and the first choice. And I think ultimately he will get the job. And I think I I actually think he'd be willing to take it now because it's such a big job and a good good opportunity, and because he he knows a couple of the staff here already, so he can trust that it's going to be a good project, right? You know, he's not walking into the unknown. Um, uh, he's even got Nkunku coming in the summer, who he's worked with before, right? So, uh, oh yeah, I think um, he's the perfect guy, and I hope he gets the job. And as for the other candidates, Pochettino, I like Pochettino. I do. I think he'd be a good fit, actually, if we got him. But definitely not my first choice. Um, I'm not really a fan of Enrique. Like, not really. Um, feels like a short-term manager. Like, you know, not... Not one who's going to commit to a project. Um, I like Amarin, but probably too pragmatic. And also, we're not going to get him now because he's in a job. Um, and Spalletti's in a job. And I, you know, I think they want someone now. And that means it's going to be somebody unemployed, which means it's going to be one of Nagelsmann, Enrique, or Pochettino. And I think it'll be Nagelsmann. So, yeah. Yeah, I think with Nagelsmann, I mean, if he does come in, I think that he's going to represent a lot of things that. Potter maybe did in some ways represent, but in most of those aspects, I would view Nagelsmann as the superior in that comparison. And I think I would view him in that regard because what he did at Leipzig was a stature of club that was larger than Brighton ever was, considering that Leipzig were getting towards the, you know, that era of them in the late 2010s consistently into European football. Um, so I think that that was one thing that separates them. So he's handled that experience already and handling a European and domestic league campaign. I think that he really took Leipzig to the highest levels that they had been to 
um, for a sustained amount of time. And I think that like the way he was developing players there was key. He was having a lot of highly talented, but young players that were kind of ready to go from being this basically undoubted, highly talented player, but somebody that we needed to mold and take into that next level that these giant clubs around Europe are going to go for. And he did that perfectly. So, and then you compare that to where we are right now. It wasn't that many weeks ago that we fielded on average age, I think the youngest premier league squad this season. So I just think, and Travis saying that he changed the style a lot for Leipzig as well. And I think that's the key thing as well. He has this very unique imprinted, you know, philosophical style. He's going to exert upon a club that he goes to, which is something that we've been in search of for a long time. So I think that like the way in which we might approach Nagelsmann could be a similar way in which we had Potter, but Nagelsmann has so much more in terms of now he went to Bayern has that experience with like a, what a, what a, an elite level super club is. And it, I, I don't know if he really failed. He won two out of three trophies last year. He conceded two goals this year in the champions league. Looked like clearly one of the two best teams probably going to still win the Bundesliga. And they're probably would have likely still won or at least gotten into the final of the, of, you know, the Pokal cup. So I, I think that the manner in which you know, him being fired from Bayern, some people might say, well, he failed at a big club, but I think it's more about that's just Bayern Munich, not that he failed more than anything. Um, as far as how that I've, how that translates, you know, we're going to have to have a fan base, though, that's um, going to be, I think, impatient if things take a little bit of time with Nagelsmann, like we've seen how this went with Potter. And I just think the fans now are going to be even more than what they were with that. And that's fine. I think that, there's going to have to be this expectation that we gave this more unproven guy a chance, which I was very happy to see us take a chance on him to begin with. It was great to see that done. I think it was good to see us finally take the chance that nobody else had. And, but it was obvious we, for a lot of reasons have been discussed that why Graham Potter was no longer a viable option uh, and why it was the ultimately, I don't even know if you call it good, bad, whatever. I just think it was the decision that had to be made, whether it's good, bad, you know, however you want to slice it. It was just the move that had to be made. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as Nagelsmann, it, I mean, if he comes in immediately, comes in prior to Real Madrid, or I think that makes a big difference. It gives him some time to assess who he may or may not want, knowing that he has Nkunku coming in the summer. There's a lot to like here. And the fact that he's worked with the board, you know, a lot of things that have already been said now, it's a great option. Um, you know, let's say, though, that Nagelsmann gets a call from Real Madrid and Real Madrid give him the offer and he takes that and Carlo is going to retire. Um, where do we go from there? I think that's the really interesting question because that's where I think it gets very messy uh, if we don't have Nagelsmann as the manager and we have to maybe get somebody now that's available or wait until the summer. Yeah, uh, about about Ruben Amorin, I, I don't think you, you you made a good point. If, for instance, we don't get Nagelsmann, because it's not impossible that we don't. Real Madrid will always be a more interesting and attractive job than Chelsea, no matter how much money we spend in, in, in a window. I think, as for Ruben Amorim, I watched Sporting against Arsenal, and what stood out to me was Sporting went toe-to-toe with Arsenal over two legs. They didn't sit back. They didn't care that Arsenal was eight points clear of the league. They didn't care that Arsenal was 
leading Manchester City in their league. They they played Arsenal almost off the park. I think otherwise the game was as close as it was was because eventually quality told and well, I mean, Sporting did win the tie, but what I meant was eventually the Arsenal players, Arsenal had better players than Sporting. So if Sporting had played that game against any other team, they probably beat them over in, in 90 minutes and qualify without even in the penalty. If we can't get Nazos, man, I wouldn't mind Amorim because, again, what we said about Porter, he had never been at a club that had to challenge for the league. And I think the difference between he and I'm going to try and cooperate him tomorrow is the job being too big for them is not really... You, you can't know if the job is too big for a manager until he comes in. Mourinho had won the league and the Champions League at Porto. He was young, yes. He hadn't been coaching for 15 years. But he had, he had been at the club where he had put the pressure on players. He has had to put pressure on players before to win a title, to win things, to win games. And I think that is something that Amorim has. He's, I think he's challenging for the league with, with Sporting. And I don't think he's pragmatic, actually. I think he's very, he's very, his team plays a very interesting style. I enjoyed watching them against Arsenal. I, I really enjoyed watching them. I think if we bring in, whichever manager we bring in, the fans will have to be patient on some level, but they wouldn't have to be patient with three years patient. I think winning in the third year is fine, but with, with the players already have, you'd probably expect Nagelsmann to... You'd expect the team to start picking up wins more consistently sooner. Not to start challenging for the league next season, but we can't... We won't go from eight to challenging for the league anyway. I know Arsenal did, but that doesn't happen every time. I wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind Ruben Amorim, and I don't think the fans are so engrossed in the club culture that they can't give a manager time. I think while several fans were impatient, outright impatient with Potter, I think part of what 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 it became, it came to a boiling point when we played against Spurs, looked lethargic, played against Southampton, lost, played against uh, Aston Villa, like Travis mentioned, the game we played against Aston Villa, we had our full squad available to us, the players who were still injured were not players you say were so key to the team that you are expecting to play completely differently. And we still look, you know, we still look through them. I think the, the fans can give a manager time. I think the the problem with Potter was there was there was nothing. I remember asking people several times that, you know, what is Potter trying to do? What what formation is he trying to implement? What system is he trying to play? And no one could answer. Three months, four months, and no one could answer. I think if we get another manager in, he's not going to challenge instantly. I don't care what Arsenal has done. He's not going to challenge for the league instantly. But I expect him to do much better than Potter has done. Let's not forget when Lampard was getting sacked, we didn't think any manager could get us into top four from where we were. And who came in and we started winning games, we started keeping clean sheets. Things got better. I think 
think just like us now, we need to win games. If we win games, we don't, and it, it's definitely going to be next season because this season we have 10 games left. So whichever manager comes in this season, he's probably going to try and do something against Real Madrid, but we're not going to expect him to get past Real Madrid or Bayern or City or wherever. So this season is going to be a kind of pre-season for him so that the pre-season would be, you know, he'll be further uh, along with the team in terms of communication, development, understanding by the time pre-season comes around. So I wouldn't mind a Ruben Amorim. I don't really know much about Luis Enrique other than the fact that he did good things with Barcelona when they had fantastic players. And I, I can't really make that many conclusions from that. i not really that interested in Pochettino, not because I don't think he's a good manager, but I think there are many, I think there are better options than Pochettino on the market. So I don't think, really, but yes, I think we can, we can give a manager time, but we, can, we can't really say we didn't give Potter time. We on this podcast, we're quite fair to Potter, I would say. We're, we're fair to Potter and we just didn't say anything after eight months. There was not really much we could have done. Yeah, I'll just jump in here because Pochettino's the last manager you mentioned and I really, I just got to go in on this. So I'm going to start actually by talking about Nagelsmann again. First, I think this is why Chelsea fired Potter now. And by this, I mean, Travis, your question, right? What happens if Real Madrid comes in? Well, the only way Real Madrid's getting rid of Carlo soon is if they lose to Chelsea in the Champions League. That's it. So how do you solve that problem? You get somebody in before that. And one of, so so I, I want to start by saying that. I think, yes, they are doing a diligent search, and I think that's good. I think they believe to their core that Potter's, or Potter, that Nagelsmann's probably the guy they're going to sign. And part of that, like, Nagelsmann, everybody talks about him as this attacking manager, and that's fair. Nagelsmann is also one of the most interesting defensive tacticians around. If you watch his old Hoffenheim teams, and he did this a lot at Leipzig too, not as much at Bayern because he switched build-up play, but in Hoffenheim and Leipzig, he defended in a quote-unquote back five. When he went to Sofa, his lineup was a quote-unquote back five. But when he defended, he did this really interesting thing, whereas like the Sean Dyche, the Jose Mourinho School, et cetera, say, you compact the field. So if you don't have as many wide men, like in a five-at-the-backs or three-at-the-back system, you only have one wide man, you shift the entire defense over to the side the ball's at. That is, like, widely considered the right defensive tactic. Nagelsmann said, well, if we do that, when we play teams like Bayern, they're just going to make that diagonal pass, and they're going to crush us. They will have a one-on-one versus the keeper if we do that. And so what he did is he said, so we're going to change what we do. Rather than moving everybody over to one side, we're going to shift upwards, right? We're going to cut off the back of the player that has the ball, which got rid of the the, the problem of diagonal passes. And like, yes, sometimes it didn't work, right? Sometimes the other team would just have players that are so good one-on-one they could beat you and score a goal. But more often than not, the, the calculus Nagelsmann made was that most players in the world are not so good that they can consistently score 1v1 or 1v2 is the case is if you count the keeper. It was a really smart defensive strategy. And 
watch his Bayern teams. Like, if you look at those lineups, there's no way that you would think those teams are as good defensively as they actually are. And this brings me to Pochettino. I don't think he's a bad manager. I actually think he's a very good manager. I also think, and this is a personal opinion, Pochettino is one of the most boring managers that is ostensibly good enough to coach a top, top club. If you watch his Tottenham teams, if you watch his PSG teams, if you watch his Southampton teams, he is incredibly conventional. And sometimes conventional works. But, I, like, we just saw what conventional looks like with this Chelsea squad. Potter played conventional. And, and I, I, again, I'm not saying Pacino's a bad manager. I think he's probably better than Potter. I think he would, de- like, look at what he did with Deli Alli. Deli Alli was... Our, Possibly going to go to Real Madrid when he was playing under Pacino. He's that good. Pacino leaves, and Deli Alli can't get a minute under, like, three different managers, four different managers. So he's a good manager. This is a personal preference. But I, I, I personally want a manager that is a little bit more interesting tactically. That is totally personal. And, yes, yeah, Score, you mentioned in the chat, he made Harry Kane. That is a fair point. I will give you that point. I, I'm not going to argue that. At all. Like, he, he made Harry Kane. Again, he, I think he's good at player development. I think he is a good manager. I do fear that coming into a club like Chelsea, the opportunities he had, right? We just saw this Grand Potter. The opportunities Pacino out of Tottenham, people don't remember, Tottenham his first year, they, they, were, mud, they were really good. But there was a lot of inconsistency. Second year, they were much better. Third year, they were really consistent. And whether or not I agree with it, I think Chelsea is too big of a club with too big of a transfer and a wage bill. Right? Bailey wanted to stick with Potter. Everybody wanted to stick with Potter, right? It was very clear. But the fear of losing what amounts to 50 to $75 million a year for not just one year, which is kind of a given at this point, but another year is why they, they made the decision. And, and I just, I, I think, I don't actually, to be honest with you guys, I don't know that Pacino is better than Grand Potter. And I think part of that's, I think Grand Potter is a really good manager. But I, I don't know that Pacino is better. And I don't, I honestly, don't believe he's a fit for this squad, for this club. I could be wrong. And again, part of this is colored by my personal opinion for what I want Chelsea to play like. So I'm totally willing to admit that. But but I have major fears about Pacino. Unlike any, I think Amarin's great. I think Luis Enrique, I don't love as a pick, but I'd be cool with it. Like, it's fine. I think some of the other names, like Marcelo Gallardo in Argentina, was a really good, like that's an interesting name. There, there are interesting names available. Is all I'm trying to say, but but I, Jose, like, like it or not, I think if this goes into the summer, Bailey's gonna talk to Jose. But again, like it or not, I, I the longer this goes, to me, the higher likelihood somebody like Jose or some other like Carlo, like one of these guys is the manager. I could be wrong, but those are just my thoughts. I will stop ranting because I've been going for a while here, but I'll let other people talk. Yeah, so if 
Nogglesman isn't the guy, which would crush me emotionally because I have so much invested in like my soul for him to be at Chelsea already. My choice would be Amaram, but I don't think he would be the guy. Like, I mean, that, that would be my choice overall, but I think it would be Enrique because Enrique has already expressed an interest at coming to England. And if you look through the top six, if that's even really a thing anymore, you know, if Spurs had a chance at him, he'd probably have been there already. And he probably would have been at us already, but like we're, we're at least still better situated for him. Even if he doesn't really solve our main issue, he could at least get us closer to the goal of catching city of catching Liverpool when they bounce back inevitably, you know, I, I'm not necessarily as hard on Pochettino as Jordan is, but, you know, he would be kind of an uninspired choice. And, you know, at this point, like, what is Pochettino waiting for? Is he waiting for the Real Madrid job? Or because if, like, that's not available for him, where does he go next if Spurs doesn't take him back? And, you know, I don't think he would get us to winning the title or anything like that. But, you know, if we can be okay with him being the guy before the guy, I think Pochettino makes a lot of sense because we do have a really young squad that he could develop really well, but we're not going to win a title with him. You know, there's very much a ceiling to Pochettino. And unless you give him the best team in the league, he hits that ceiling. Yeah, if Spurs are waiting on Brendan Rodgers, they're they're out of luck. Like, they're they're asking for some trouble. But – um. Yeah, I mean, that would be my overall thoughts on it. And I don't think we're going to go for, like, a Thomas Frank or anyone, like, outside the box. You know, we're definitely not going to go back to Brighton and take another manager or player or anything from them after everything that's happened. Like, the optics of that would be so terrible. I don't even think we'd have the shame to do that. So, yeah, I think it's probably going to be Enrique if Nogglesman says no. Especially because it feels like we have to get someone in by Real Madrid. Because if you don't get someone in with by Real Madrid and you're running into that game with Bruno as your manager, you're basically saying, like, the Champions League doesn't matter to us. And that's a problem, I think. You know, this is not like Robert Roberto Di Matteo coming in when Napoli had basically beat the snot out of us one game and it looked like we couldn't advance. This is This tie is alive even if Real Madrid or Real Madrid. So we need someone in place that's ready for it. And, you know, I hope it's Nogglesman because, you know, knowing him, he's probably had started gaming out what to do in a Real Madrid game if Bayern Munich faced them. So, in, you know, Luis Enrique, I'm sure, knows how to deal with Real Madrid because the Real Madrid press hated him. So... You know, either one of those two by that game would be excellent. If it's Pochettino, that'd be super boring and kind of uninspired, but it is what it is, and it wouldn't be the worst thing to build with. But, yeah. Yeah, I think if we run out of options as far as, you know, Nagelsmann is the option and and there's something else we have to do, I I really only look at him as the only real choice that we should be pursuing for a lot of different reasons. But, yeah, I kind of echo a lot of what you guys think there. If if we have to look at other places, you know, you have Amarin, you have the potential for, you know, Enrique, Pochettino, you have other guys you can pivot to. And I, and while they're not perfect options, 
you know, we put ourselves in this situation to begin with to have perfect outcomes from an, a very imperfect situation is kind of idealistic anyway. So you never know how it could go. I mean, it, it might it might end up that we don't get what we want and we end up having Pochettino or Enrique and have to just do the best we can with that and build what we can. I'm not really sure. Um, I hope so much that it's just Nagelsmann and we go from there. And I mean, if we get, you got, I mean, what do you guys think about if we were to get Nagelsmann in? Do you think that Real Madrid tie is is something that we could actually navigate in the Champions League, yes. or do you think that either way we're we kind of dead in the Champions water? League? I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look at Nagelsmann's record against Real Madrid. I, I mean this seriously. Nagelsmann plays well against them. I also think the way, like Olan, I've talked about this offline, but. Tuchel comes in, and with one day of practice, the team looks substantially better against Wolves. Within yeah. seven days of practice, the team looks like a team capable of winning Champions League. Surprise, surprise, they did. I think Nagelsmann, if not at that level, is very close to it. And I think with one to two practices, I I, I really do. Like I, I know that sounds absolutely insane, but I agree with Travis. I think our team can win the Champions League with Nagelsmann. I mean, like, say what you will about some of our players. Jao Felix, like, I don't care what anybody says. Jao Felix is incredibly talented. I don't care what anybody says. Enzo, in two years, could be the best midfielder in the Premier League. Right? I don't care what anybody says. Mudrick, there's not a player in the world like him. Like, he literally, when he runs, looks like prime Gareth Bale. And I'm not saying he's going to be that good, but he runs with that pace and power. Body surely won't play in the Champions League, but he's really good. Fafana, like, I'm going to be straight with y'all. I thought Fafana was the perfect Rudiger replacement. Nothing I've seen changes that opinion. Conte, when he is healthy, is the best destroyer in the history of world football. Period. So, I think with the manager at the level of Nagelsmann, and again, like, there's, like, your modest, very good manager, like Pochettino, like, frankly, what I think Enrique is. Nagelsmann's a two-goal clop, Pep, Mourinho, et cetera, level. Like, that's the level he's at, and that changes the calculus. Now, I, I think uh, Bayern versus Chelsea uh, semifinals, absolutely hilarious and fascinating, and that would, I think, be Nagelsmann's biggest challenge. Uh, like, I think Tuchel knows this squad, but counterpoint, Nagelsmann knows their squad. So it would be an interesting, I think you're looking at like a 2-1 at most goals scored uh, aggregate result. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I think Nagelsmann is the best candidate available since Thomas Tuchel in 2020. Like, I will go that far, maybe even further. So yeah, I... I yeah. I don't see many of the negative people point to with Nagelsmann is actually legitimate. I see them as people that like read an article and decided they were against him rather than watching Hoffenheim and Leipzig and Bayern. I think his his Champions League campaign with Bayern was amazing. You know, they had a group with Inter Milan and Barcelona, and they won all six games in the group, conceding just two goals and scoring 18 times. And, you know, I've never seen PSG as neutered as they were last round against Bayern Munich. Like, they were completely worthless 
a team with Messi in it was made completely limp. Um, and other than that, like, I'm not even worried about Real Madrid because hate is a powerful motivator. And, you know, as much as Nagelsmann loved Bayern Munich, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He, won't, he will roll over Real Madrid to get his way to that team and have his way with them if it comes to it. And if we can get past the semifinal, you know, most likely Napoli's going to be the team in the final from the other side. And they're very good, but there's still a quality gap there that can be overcome. And, you know, like if our only way in the Champions League is the one that novels wins the play, just for those very reasons. I agree completely. Uh, yeah, he is, he is such a perfect fit. And you're right, I think it is, it is a kind of a two-call appointment, uh, but uh, I think he, he. I think he's. I, I agree. He's one of the top coaches in the world. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And uh, when you think of the talent that's in our squad, the young talent, and we haven't seen a lot of it yet. We haven't seen it fulfilled yet, right? But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent there, and we're going to recruit more in the summer. So. Uh, I mean, I saw that YouTube clip of uh, Nagelsmann saying the three most important positions on the pitch are the number six, the goalkeeper, and the striker. And they're the positions that we're recruiting this summer, funnily enough. So he'll have an input over that. Uh, so, yeah, I think he would, yeah, if he, if he comes in, I think uh, he will definitely be motivated to win the Champions League. <laughs> uh, his record against Carlo Ancelotti is really good. He's played him four times, uh, sorry, six times, and won four and drawn the other two, I think. And he beat he beat Carlo Ancelotti when he was at Hoffenheim, and Carlo Ancelotti was at Bayern, um, which is pretty impressive when you consider the, the respective sports that they had. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. I would be pretty confident of beating Real Madrid over two legs with Nagelsmann, uh, and I would. I actually think we would probably beat Bayern as well because I think he's he would be so motivated, so driven and focused to beat to win that. Um, not that Tuchel wouldn't be motivated and focused to beat us as well, probably. But uh, yeah, I just and I just think it's that it's that kind of it's a Chelsea thing. I just it just you know I think if I think if Nagelsmann takes over, we might actually win the Champions League. I I genuinely think that. Like uh, yeah, <laughs> um, and. Why not, right? Why not? No, why not? Yeah, why not? Like, I think we've got, like, we've got Kante fit now. Like, you know, play him just in the Champions League and in the big games in the league, like Man United and Arsenal. Just play him in that. And, um, you know, <laughs> play Reece James and Ben Chill. Play the, play the system we won the Champions League with before. Like, that's what he'll probably do. And he's got Thiago Silva coming back as well. You know, Mendy's coming back. He might play him in goal. So, you know, who knows? Well, I mean, it would be incredible, wouldn't it? It'd be tip. I mean, like this season, that would be the ultimate, like, like end of the season, wouldn't it? After the season we've had, to then we're going to win the Champions League. Like, I think even Gary Neville said on Sky tonight that it would be typical of Chelsea to win the Champions League this season. <laughs> even he knows now. <laughs> like, um, so, who knows? But yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we would do really well under Norwich generally. Like, but yeah, um, he, I mean, he gets up the league, I think, as well. 
So even if we didn't win the Champions League, we'd probably be in Europe next season. Uh, and if he were in the Europa League or we're in the, you know, the Conference League, I think he would win it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I've got a hunch it's going to be him. I'm just going to be nervous until it's actually confirmed, you know, <laughs> like because the alternatives, yeah, probably Pochettino or, or or Enrique, you know, I'm not. I mean, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd like Pochettino. I think he actually he would do well here, but Enrique, you know, um, I'm not sure about. So let's see what happens. But uh, yeah, the, the other thing to the other thing to consider is. Real Madrid in the league are not doing so well. I mean, they won their last game 6 0, so maybe that shouldn't be saying that now. But they aren't doing so well. They're nine points behind Barcelona, and they've actually played well in sports. The point that I want to make is Alonso's Real Madrid, uh, they can be gotten out. Like they, are, they can be beaten. I wouldn't say they are not difficult to beat because Ancelotti is an exceptional manager, but with Nagel's man in charge, a well-coached team will give Real Madrid problems. I think Real Madrid's backline can be gotten out. I think they have an exceptional goalkeeper. I think they have a very good midfield. They have a good attack. But I think their defense can be gotten out. And I think under Potter, I wasn't confident because top manager can smell a poorly coached team from 500 miles away. And when you watch a poorly coached team against a good manager, it shows. Even if they don't lose four 0 you can just tell that chances are chances are just going to be slowing. If we're if we're very well coached, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't make us favorites against Calanchelotti in, in any game. But I think I don't think the the Real Madrid game will be as daunting as it was if it was if it was Porter that was in charge. But that, that much is obvious. I also think actually that it's it's not Bayern who meet on the other side. I think City turned over Bayern. If well, that's actually not true. I think City. I I, I think City would win the the, the the that that Bayern tie. I think they do really. And I think if we, if we come out from the Real Madrid tie, it's likely City are going to meet because the the game City played against against Leipzig. I feel many Bundesliga teams play that way. They are they would they never sit back ever, and Bayern. More so, and I mean, if there's any Bundesliga team that has a right not to sit back, it's, it's Bayern. I think City have all the equipment to take apart Bayern. I this is not disregarding the fact that they are being coached by Thomas Tuchel, but so I mean, the, the Champions League is part of what the Bayern board were talking about when they sacked uh, when they sacked uh, Nagelsmann, which is funny because they've not lost the game. The Champions League, and if Suku loses the game in the Champions League, they suddenly look quite stupid. But yeah, I, I think with a very good coach in charge of us against Real Madrid, they can be gotten out. We have younger players than them. When we played them in 2021, we made Real Madrid look really tired. We made them look old, is what I should say. We made them look old. So I, I think it's it's we were a poorly coached team under Potter. And if we pick Bruno Sota to, I mean, if he's the one in charge against Real Madrid, whatever we take, we get, we just have to take it like that. I don't think we can really have any expectation if he's the one in charge. But 
in a one-off game, a, a two-legged tie with someone like Amorim or, or Nagelsmann in charge of us, I wouldn't put it past us. I think Real Madrid, Villarreal showed how vulnerable they can be. Barcelona have showed how vulnerable they can be. There are many teams that have showed how vulnerable they can be. I think it's it's a possibility, not one one of favorite. I think it's a possibility. I think what what Calantelli has in his favor is players that are well aware of what the occasion is, and he has a lot of a lot of specialists in his squad, and he can just look at the game with five minutes to go and decide I'll take this guy off and bring this guy on, and the game changes. So that's what they have in, in Ancelotti. But I think if we're a very well coached team. We have a very good chance against Real Madrid. It'll be interesting to see what we do. There's not a whole lot of time left, as it's going to be a little more than a week as of this recording before our match against Real Madrid. So we don't have a whole lot of time to get this done, and we want to have this exhaustive approach. We want to get the right person because I think it's very critical that we have to get this managerial appointment correct. Because if we don't get this one correct, we're already set pretty far back. If we get this one wrong, we're going to be basically set back to square one to start 24-25 season. And, and I mean, that that in, in and of itself is going to be in a very long malaise when you look at Tuchel's season last year, then this season, then another write-off. I mean, you're talking three years. It's going to be a very difficult road forward from there, I think. You're going to have to start having some very difficult conversations and acceptances probably made as a fan about where this club is heading, which is probably in no way the you know shape or form the right direction if that's what happens. So they have to get this right. And I think that's why, you know, I think there's no coincidence here that Graham Potter, the rhetoric surrounding him from basically everybody reporting on it was he will be given time. He will be given a project. He will be given years, not matches. It will be given years, not months. Well, I think that, the fact that like they wanted to do that shows that there's time available. But the, the truth is it shows that we we now have accepted that time is not something we're going to be just full of going forward. So I think that's for a lot of reasons why we talked about Nagelsmann. It's the right idea. It's going to have to be somebody that's like focused on player development and it with our next managerial hire um, because we can give somebody the time, but if they don't succeed, it sets us back further than not giving them the time, like in the old regime. And that's maybe one thing that I guess we can give some credit for with Roman, um, that when things were wrong, he would make a change immediately, and it wouldn't it wouldn't delay the inevitable in some cases that um, as they saw fit. So I think that we're in a, an incredibly important decision point as a club, and if we mess this up, I think the future is – I don't want to say it's bleak. It's not bad. I mean, we obviously have a ton of talent in the squad, but it's definitely going to set us back quite a ways. And if, you know, it's been a while since we won a premier league title and I think it would substantially set us back even more in that regard that we're really just not going to be able to compete that for that. Maybe in like the late 2010s is when we could do that or the 2020s was when we could do that next. But yeah, I, I think this is a difficult time. I think Graham Potter had a lot of circumstances that, you know, a lot of external factors that he didn't create, nor could he control. But I think that given what he could, he just kind of failed to have solutions. Um, he just couldn't really find answers to the problems, and it wasn't any form of progress. And we had seen enough to know that this probably was not going to get substantially better, even with a full preseason. And we even had reports yesterday, like Miguel Delaney was saying that a lot of the squad, you know, didn't really have any problem with him technically. 
or tactically. It's just as a person, they just didn't respect him all that much or something. Something along those lines is what he was reporting. So there's just a lot of things behind the scenes. It seemed like it wasn't going to be tenable even with a full preseason. But if they're going to go this route where we try to get somebody in right now before Real Madrid, uh, they're not going to have the preseason and they're going to have to get it right because you're going to give that. There's no way we hire somebody and then don't keep them on for the preseason in the summer. Um, so I think this is an incredibly important time for the club. And yeah, I just, before we close here, just kind of get some of your guys' thoughts on what this, you know, what this will represent and, you know, kind of any closing other thoughts you might have, you know, from the Graham Potter era. I mean, I just like to say thanks to Graham Potter for what he did help us with. Um, got us still into the champions league without that this season be a complete write-off and maybe we don't make changes. Um, but yeah, I think that if we're looking, if I'm going to have to bet, and I'll just be my last comment, we're going to have Nagelsmann in immediately because I personally believe that those conversations already happened because as soon as he was made available, there were some links going on that, you know, Chelsea aren't offering anything, but Nagelsmann would be interested in that. He's on their short list. Should Potter not be of it, you know, be an option anymore? But that was happening last week. And then as soon as another terrible result happens, we make the move. So I think it signals what's going to happen soon enough, which is Nagelsmann comes in probably by by the weekend or by the start of next week, something along those lines. Um, I think he'd fit in a lot of ways. And I think that, you know, given the importance of everything I just discussed in terms of how we have to get this higher right, I think he would take most of the boxes and even though he doesn't tick all of them i think he ticks more than anybody who's currently available um so that's where i'll leave this and i think it's a really important time for the club and that's kind of where i think we'll where we'll go and i think it's probably the best we can do yeah i think um yeah good luck to Graham Potter. where he goes next uh i have nothing against him at all <laughs> he he wasn't the right fit for us it wasn't probably wasn't the right level for us at the moment but he will do well elsewhere and I wish him luck and just hope we get the next appointment right as everyone said I think we will because we've got football people making this decision and they're intelligent people um, and so I think they'll make that right decision uh, I think we know who that is and hopefully then we can have some stability um, once the next manager is in place, they need to be in place for two, three years at least. We need to have some stability at that at that level. And and no matter what the fan base says, you know, we need to just um and I think we will if it's the right person because uh I don't think anyone's gonna get as bad results as we've had this season. So uh I'm still positive about this project. I believe in it. Um and I see what they're trying to do. It looks chaotic at the moment but there is a plan and i think in the next few years we'll see that uh so yeah um just uh let's let's make sure we win our win against liverpool and then get the right person in places as quickly as we can and move on yeah i think Nagelsmann's definitely the guy um you know i hate after potter and you know Tuchel and lampard and everyone else i would hate to say like anyone is obviously going to be here for a long time but, you know, at least Nagelsmann, like, he's never left a club without, like, it being pretty obvious that that was the right decision to do. You know, like, Hoffenheim is not a big team. Like, it's even smaller than Bournemouth, really. 
And the only reason he left is because, you know, Leipzig came and they're like, we're going to give you this chance. And the only reason he left Leipzig is because his dream club came for him. You know, I don't think like he would have left Bayern Munich under his own volition for quite a while. Um, and now we have a lot of guys in our backroom staff that he had worked with at Leipzig. And it's really kind of well set up for him to come right in and almost like have, have like a homecoming of sorts with people he knows and stay and build something for quite a while. And I, like I said, I know that's not necessarily like something we want to say because it's we've been saying it. We've been saying we need it and we just aren't getting it. But like it's all really well set up for him to stay and succeed if he comes in. And, you know, as for Potter, I really hope he gets like Gloucester job if they stay up. I really hope they stay up just so we can get that job. You know, I don't necessarily want him to go to Spurs because that's out of one frying pan and into another. But like somewhere like Leicester would be really good for him, I think. And, you know, more than anything, like we just want Chelsea to kind of like be where City is, you know, be where eventually, you know, like Bayern Munich or PSG are. And that's going to be a long process that requires a lot of patience. And we as fans have not had a lot of patience. I mean, we have on here for sure, but like overall, the fan base is lacking. And, you know, maybe part of that was how Potter would come out and kind of like try to ease expectations and calm things down. Nogglesman's not that guy. You know, Nogglesman's got, got some fire in his butt. So, you know, if Maybe the fans react better to that. That'll win them over, and he'll get the support he needs, even when things are going bad to succeed. But we'll just have to wait. Yeah, I mean, I think that not to me, and, and this is me coming off my high horse of Nagelsmann, if he's Chelsea manager in the Champions League. Like, just being straight realistic, I think that Nagelsmann is – very much a manager that will take Chelsea where they need to go. What Nagelsmann wants is players that are good technically and players that are good intelligently, mentally. Nagelsmann's done a lot with players that are not the most athletically gifted or the, like, Erling Hollands of the world that are just, I mean, frankly, the perfect player. Nagelsmann does a lot of great stuff with players that have, like, a basis. And he very rapidly develops them. This isn't a Grand Potter thing, but like Grand Potter, and again, I really like Grand Potter. This is not really a criticism of Grand Potter. It's a pro denialism, which is Grand Potter, Thomas Tuchel, Jose Mourinho. Overall, these or not Mourinho as much, but like Potter, Pacino, etc. They develop players over years. Nagelsmann does it over weeks. Like watch Timo Werner when he went to Leipzig. Right, I think he was at Stuttgart before, and he was basically a left-side wide striker. And that is all he could do, is make these runs, get the ball, and score. Within a few weeks at Leipzig, Timo Werner was one of the best strikers in the world. Like The, the revisionism around Timo is kind of funny among Chelsea fans, because he was technically poor. But Timo Werner was one of the best strikers in the world, because of his pace and because of his ability tactically. Like, Timo's a really smart player. He's a really smart player. And Nagelsmann took advantage of that. I 
don't necessarily know if Nagelsmann is better than Tuchel, but he's of the same DNA, right? He is a guy that you could compare to Pep and Klopp, and maybe he's not as good, but you're kind of like, yeah, he's probably right up there. I I think Nagelsmann checks every box. Now, if it's not Nagelsmann, if it's Enrique, like, to give the board credit, that means they said no to Nagelsmann over something. And, And I think that that says a lot. So now listen, I, I, my opinion has not changed about Pochettino. I think Pochettino is a fan, is the wrong choice. But I think Nagelsmann, even Enrique, who I don't love, like I have a lot of issues with actually, like I could see why they would pick Enrique. I could see why they would pick Amarin. Like I think he's really good actually. I could see why they would pick Jose. Again, same issues as Enrique. I'm not sure he is the one right now. But Nagelsmann, to me, checked every box that Tuchel did. Plus, he seems to be much more willing to be collaborative, which I think Tuchel, like, we all talk about long-term managers. If Roman was still the owner, Tuchel's long-term manager. And I fundamentally believe that. Because Tuchel didn't give a shit about transfers. He didn't want to play a role in that process. He just wanted like players to be on the squad, and he would work with the squad. That was the perfect Roman manager. It took Roman almost two decades to find that manager, and he finally found it. And then sanctions and war, et cetera, happened, and he sold the bully, Bailey. Uh, and... and that's not what Bailey wanted. And, like, again, I love Tuchel. I don't agree with firing Tuchel when they did. But they did because of what they want in a manager. In the mean Nagelsmann, frankly, like Potter, although I do think Nagelsmann's better. Like, just, that's not a criticism Potter. I think Nagelsmann's better. I think Nagelsmann fits that to a T. I think the squad fits Nagelsmann to a T. I think our defense will be substantially improved under Nagelsmann. I think our attack will be substantially improved under Nagelsmann. So, yeah, to me, it isn't Nagelsmann or bust, but it's very clear to me that Nagelsmann is the guy Chelsea should go for, and that's personal opinion, but I fundamentally believe that. So I'll end there, but thanks again. Like, I'm really glad to be back and go Chelsea. I think ultimately, I honestly think about Tuku. I don't think he's any less of a long-term manager. I think if Tuku was the one appointed 7th of September, he would still be here. I think Tuku would have been a, a perfect long-term manager under, under Bailey because at the end of the day, the thing he was sacked for, Potter wasn't involved in transfers anyway, so that was because there were now people above, above him that, that handled that. But I think the, the, the thing that ultimately Tuku was said to be sacked for was, was I mean, we still brought in eight players under, under Potter, and I know Potter did not say get me a player. I know this. I think it, it was just a it was an excuse Billy used because he wanted to get Potter in and it's 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 all hindsight now. It's all hindsight. Like like Travis said, no one saw Potter coming in and when he's not good enough, he doesn't have the experience he's, he's going to feel. But ultimately it didn't work out. I, I think I think Tukul is probably the, the perfect manager for Bayern long term too. Because Tuku will command the kind of respect Nagelsmann did him for whoever Nagelsmann did him. That's 
when, when it comes to say Noya or Mula, Tuku commands respect there if Nagas not good because he has all the experience, he has the trophies, he has the 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 intelligence. I think Tuku is a very very intelligent manager. I think he knows how to communicate with players, but I don't even know why it it looks like I'm pushing Tuku propaganda now. But what I'm, I, I wanted to say was, I think Tuku man entered and started getting results while also being perfect for the long term. I think the fact that we won the Champions League in his first season made people think of him as someone who was hell-bent on winning the Champions League no matter what. I think when he lost the cup final, he didn't go around thinking, oh my goodness, I need to win the Champions League. But when the Champions League finals, so he wanted to win the Champions League. I think Nagelsmann will be, will be perfect for us. I think... Uh, I think ultimately the 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 long term, short term win now manager thing a lot of times doesn't take into consideration the fact that the club that you empl- that employed you might just not be that club, and that's ultimately what happened to Nagelsmann at Bayern because he spent one about eighteen months there, but we can't really say he's not a long term manager. I think Tuku was a victim of the same thing at Chelsea. I think Tuku was sacked prematurely because we bought in like what six players for him. And then six days, six days later, we're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to let you go and bring Potter in. So I think ultimately it was a victory. Tukutu was a victim of circumstance. Potter was a victim of circumstance. Nagelsmann was a victim of circumstance. I think they are, they are good managers. But, I mean, it's over now. and We have to, we have to look forward ultimately. We can't, we can't keep nursing our wounds and, on how much money we spent on Potter and what didn't work out. I think we need to. I agree that we, it is crucial. We get the next Nigerian appointment right because we've already sacked two managers in one season. We already look like a laughing stock to the world. Look like we are a laughing stock to the world right now. If we don't get it right here, Bailey looks even dumber than he looked when he when he sacked people, brought in Potter, and then had to sack Potter. I think it, it's important to get the next Nigerian appointment spot on. Yeah, uh, I think it's been a really good episode. I mean, it is kind of unfortunate that you know Graham Potter's era didn't go as well as we all would have hoped. I think everybody here was willing to give him the right time, but had their reservations. And I think that really for all of us, it was abundantly clear that Villa was kind of the end of Potter and there was not much left to say, or, you know, much left to do with him. It was kind of the way it was. And it looked like a change was inevitable and and necessary. Um, But I think that now looking forward, I think that, you know, the way we ended the podcast is we have to get this right. And if we don't, as Ola said, it's going to be even more of a laughing stock than it already kind of seemingly is. I mean, we're in our, going to be potentially in our third permanent manager in the same season. It is generally what we see more like relegation contenders doing is they're just trying to chop and change to survive. Um, it's not really something you see from a team like our stature doing. So it's going to be difficult. Um, but that big decision is what the board it has to make. They made the big decision to move on from Potter. So now they make this one. And I think that they can get it right. I think they will. I think Nagelsmann will be the option. So we'll, we'll have to just kind of make his Chelsea fans wait patiently until something happens, if anything. And we'll see where it goes from there. Um, but I just want to say before we close out, Jordan, good having you back on. Uh, it's good having kind of a full crew today. And Score, thanks again so much for coming on. Really good having you on as usual. Good discussion, good points brought up. So thanks so much. And, you know, for anybody that doesn't already follow, him on Twitter. 
uh, definitely recommend doing that. Um, has some content out there with Chelsea Social and Cyan Dan Talk CFC. You can find him at the score zero one on Twitter. Um, and again, I uh, for all the listeners out there, thanks so much for supporting us. And until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.